Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. To another episode of my independence report, and it's his I, Kevin, and oh, sitting over there is our guest for the hour, or however long it lasts. His name is Eric Hall, and he is well, he's many, many things. Um, first of all, but before we get into all the things that you are, I know that you got up early this morning because today is January 20th, 2001, and uh, a very special thing happened today. What happened today? Uh, you know, there was, there's a, a new president. Really? Yeah. I, I came across the whole story quite by accident. Cause I didn't hear about this the last four <laughs> years. Just, you know, there hasn't been much going on and I'll be darned. I looked at the news report and they said new president being sworn in today. I wasn't done swearing at the last president, but <laughs> he's sworn in now. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, ain't that the truth? Ain't yes. that, that's I feel like uh, watching that, that uh, watching the inauguration, that number one, I thought uh, um, uh, Harris, Vice President Harris and President Biden did a wonderful job of, uh, of speaking. And it was a very lighthearted, fun event that everybody had a really good time and uh, with, a, with a really a hell of a message. And that getting, you know, it's, it's almost like... Um, we are set free today we've been under a dark clown cloud for a long time i had an interesting conversation with a facebook friend she's uh she's an artist and i was watching the inauguration and i wish i could remember the poet laureate's name because she's absolutely lovely and she was a young woman and she spoke with so much wisdom and so much clarity and the words were beautiful and I was moved to contact my Facebook friend and say, you know, it feels art always has a place, but it feels to me that art has returned again from being away for some reason. Oh, yeah. And she wrote back, you know, uh, and, and confirmed my feelings that uh, she felt similarly. It, it's just a beautiful day. You know, I, I feel, well, frankly, I'm relieved. And Biden Say what you want about Biden, because I understand people will have different views. But here's what Biden has done. He was Obama's vice president. And as I look back at the Obama presidency, I don't think there are very many people that could have pulled that off as well as Biden did, just by based on who he is and his mannerisms. Yeah. You know, such a kind man and thoughtful and he helped clear the way for Obama and helped Obama accomplish a lot of what he needed to do. And here he is again. In fact, you know, he he says he joined, uh, he wanted to run for election because of the situation of the country. And he wanted to come back and, and help uh, guide the country to heal itself. And I think that's primarily been his role, or at least, you know, the past 20 years. Oh, yeah. So, man, what a what a day. And Kamala. 
I'm looking forward to what she's going to do. Uh, well, I, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, and I, I don't know because you and I haven't really talked about this deeply, but one of the things that I do and that uh, are special for me are like numbers, like numbers on a clock. I'll see a certain set of numbers repeatedly. And the numbers for me are one, 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 one. And uh, that is, it's in, in, in numerology, it kind of means new beginning and wonderful things happening and kind of blessings from above. And as she was taking, I kid you not, as she was taking her uh, oath of office, it was 11, 11 Eastern time. Whew. And that was that with that told me that was for me. I don't, I don't know if anybody else got that message, but for me, that message was that was the right person at the right time, and that she is going to have a profound impact in our, in our country in a, in a very positive way. Uh, but she's also a no nonsense gal, and she's not going to put up with a bunch of crap. Um, if, if you're going to try and, and, and neither, you know, and I think Biden, remind, Biden reminds me of uh, my an old grandpa that was kind as heck until you did something that you knew you were not supposed to do. And then he became very deadly serious about what was going on and, and uh, with you. And, and, and he, he was not, up, he was not above telling you exactly what for and why you should not be doing what you're doing. That's awesome. So, I think you, you know, nailed that. You know, cause of, it was so much fun to watch the country change, you know, and you were talking about uh, um, the arts are back. You know, and I don't know if you remember, but the one thing that I have missed really terribly over the last four years is the Kennedy Center honors. Yes, well, I found when, that appalling. Exactly when when uh, even even when George W. was president and then Obama was president for eight years, we had sixteen years where they would regularly, every year, they would do the Kennedy Center Honors. And they would honor, you know, our rock stars and Led Zeppelin and the, and Paul McCartney and, and Elton John and actors like Tom Hanks and, and other great folks. He just divorced himself from all of that because he wanted to be the center of attention, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what his deal was, but thank God it's over. Well, you know, my take on it, if there is no art, there is no soul. If there exactly. is no soul, there is no art. Exactly. And that's that's why I wanted to uh, start this podcast with you and to do this kind of on a regular basis because you've got a lot to say. And you are a writer. People tell me that. People tell yeah. me that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you're a writer. You're an author. You are uh, a really gifted the way that you write is really, uh, you have a gift. Um, and it's, it's really, it really is cool to, to listen to your stories. And it almost is like, I, when I listen to your stories, the way that you do it, I'm transformed to be a silent person standing there while you're observing life that's going on. And I put in the pre preview that you remind me of Mark Twain and, and Will Rogers. Now, Will Rogers was a, a comic, but he also, he talked about the common man. He talked about everyday life of what's going on. And you, current, your current job as a bus driver, I know that you see common life every day. And you put your spin on it, 
and it's it's like I asked you to have some stories ready. Do you have some stories ready? I do have some stories ready. Good. But you so, know, I have to say that uh, I find bus driving a bus very fitting because uh, humanity is everywhere. Yes. Even during the age of Trump, man, humanity is out there. People are doing what they have to do to survive. And those quiet moments of theirs, that's when they're being the most human. And that is absolutely stunning to me. Oh, it is. It is. And you get the opportunity to see people at, at people at their either at their finest or also at their basest. Oh my uh, gosh, yes. Yeah. You know, when when they don't think anybody else is watching them and they're you know, they're just trying to survive. It's like you did the story about the the man who was uh sitting there on the curb and uh if, if you have that one, that one that one kind of rips your heart right out of your body. I remember that. Um, let me pull that one up because that that happened about a week ago. And, yeah, and, and that, that is in most of the stories. Well, I don't know, but that was a true story. Yeah. Yes, it was. Ooh. That was a true story. In fact, all of these are true. There's not many that I've had to play with much i'm mostly just reporting what i see and but the difference is you see more you see in color well, a lot of it see in black and white well i think i just take time to i think i'm just there at the right time you know and these things and and i look at them and perhaps you know there's better drivers out there paying more attention to, you know, the road and the lights and stuff. Take those moments and, and just look at things as they happen. Because, frankly, you know, that's, that's what makes my job rewarding is seeing what goes on out there. And if I didn't have that, I don't think this job would be as appealing to me. As much as I do like to drive, I just like to travel. But mostly because I get to look at stuff. I'm a visual junkie. I can't stop looking at everything. That's why on my off time, I go to galleries and museums. And, and when I'm on my computer, I'll do the same. I'll go to galleries and museums and I'll look at art and I look at different artists. And when I get a chance and I don't have as much chance as I used to, I'll, I'll make my own art. But I don't have as much to say. And, and I certainly don't have the ability that I would certainly enjoy to have to be an artist. But I, I do my best. But I do my best when I paint and draw. Well, but, and let, uh, let's talk about your background a little bit, because before you were a bus driver, you were a... I was an interior designer for 25, 27 years, depending on how you look at it. Now, what does what the interior designer exactly do? I know, well, I know that's a, that's a simple a, expression would be you design interiors, but what is it that you do? What, what, what skills did you bring to that, that job? Well, when we're best at it. And that doesn't happen on every project, at least not to me. And maybe that's why I'm not still doing it. But at the best, an interior designer, we interview the client and we find out what they want from the room, aesthetically, uh, functionally, uh, what's important to them, what's not, what's meaningful to them, what they like to see. Like here, here's, I'll just tell you what my best project was. And this was a lady that lived in a condo in Bellevue 
And compared to a lot of jobs that I did, this was a pretty modest budget. But she was an actress during World War II, and she was performing one night in a theater when England was bombed. Oh, wow. And she was playing a lead role, and the chandeliers were shaking, and there was dirt coming from the ceiling, and people were hushed, and they were worried, and there was a pause in the play. But the show went on, and during uh, one of the intermissions, she went back to her uh, dressing room, and she had brought, because this was uh, on stage for a while, and she had brought the tea set that she shared tea with her mom. And much of the set had broken except for a couple of the cups and the teapot itself survived. And these were cherished items to her. And she told me about them. I asked her, what's the most important thing to you in this room? And she told me that story of the night in the theater being bombed and how her teacup survived and how uh, her relationship with her mom. And we took that teacup, its colors, because it was a fairly complex pattern with colors. And we mixed those patterns and colors throughout her room, her, her condo. And it was a three-bedroom, or not a two-bedroom living room and dining room condo. It wasn't huge. But we used those patterns and colors throughout. We even took the pattern from the teacup and painted it onto her fireplace, her wood fireplace. And it was absolutely wonderful. The layers and that we created the, of the patterns and everything in that room meant something to her. And a woman that was in her, oh, late seventies at this time, got so much out of her condo. She loved being in her house. She was still a very active woman at this time. She, she and I developed a very strong friendship uh, for the rest of her life. And that project I walked away from knowing this, if I had a choice, this is what every project would be. Just because of our long conversations, finding something that worked for her in meaning and color and make, taking it through uh, a finished uh, project. And her kids love the place. Her friends love the place. So that's what an interior designer does when it's at, at their best. When we're at our worst, we're just selling them a sofa or some pillows, <laughs> or some blinds, you know? You know it, it, it strikes me that uh, when you talk about putting together a house like that, you build a story the same way. Yes. So they're, they're compatible art forms, because what you do when you're building a story is you take it piece by piece and brick by brick and build the, build the story and then to, to make it great. It's, it really is. And, you know, the interesting thing is about you is that you're totally unknown at this point because you haven't done this. This is like a brand new thing for you. But I'm telling you, you've got an, an enormous amount of talent, which is Thank why you. I want to help you with, with this and, and to really get the word out about what you do. Now, I, you can see scrolling on the bottom there. By the way, if you have a comment, if you would like to to um, uh, chat with us, you certainly can do that um, by going to the comments section and, and letting us know what the, if you have a question for Eric or have a comment about his work or what he's doing, that would be great. But transit, transient, 
What does that mean to you? Transit transience. <clears throat> this was a title that was suggested to me by a friend. In fact, she's a, a, a tribe member. She's a tribe sister, as I, I call her, because I was putting together stories and posting them on Facebook. And she suggested you should do a book and, and you should call it Transit Transience. And what a great idea. So that's that's where the name came from. Now, what it means is that, of course, transit talks about the bus and transients. People think of uh, transients as homeless people. That's what they usually think of it. But uh, and that's how I started out my perception of it. But as I was exploring the stories that happen out on the streets, I, I realized that all of us and everything is fairly transient. We're all moving in different directions. In fact, you know, if you want to take it to the absolute abstract, uh, I believe the planet is moving at something like uh, 64,000 miles a, a second or a minute through space. And we have this uh, trillions of cells that make up the human body. Now, a few people, if anyone, truly understands how these cells are held together in a form that creates an identity through a process of being curious that forms... Uh, knowledge that uh, then creates a personality, all those things are at flux at any given moment. So in essence, everything around us is transient. So transit transients and other stories.com. It's a perfect name. Other stories. <laughs> if, if you can get through, like I was having trouble putting the, uh, uh, the, the banner up. It's like, if you can get through the whole thing and not misspell anything. That's, 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 See, that's, that's the trick. <laughs> yeah, so go to uh, uh, com, and uh, and you can look at what he's got going there. He's just beginning the work that he's going to be doing. Um, and do you have any, um, you've been doing short stories. Do you have a longer book in you that you want to do? What do you, what do you want to do with it? Well, I've got a couple of projects that I'm working on. I... Grew up in what is called the Drum and Bugle Corps. Wanted to talk to you about that as well. Go ahead. The Seattle Imperials. And the Seattle Imperials are kind of an axiom for me. That's where I discovered uh, my persona, how I looked at life. The people around there helped form uh, what I think of as my worldview. And I've been struggling with this story for a number of years now because I really didn't know how to approach this. If you think about, uh, if you have any oh, familiarity with drum corps, it's basically, a, lack of a better term, a professional marching band. Correct. And it takes a, an Olympic-style effort to pull something like that off. A lot of dedicated people pouring their heart and soul to create whatever level of, of success they're going to have. And through that, you know, you have travel involved where you go to different parts of the country. And with teenagers that are traveling with, you know, 100 or so of their best friends and three or four buses with equipment trucks and staff fans, and you're visiting different cities. Seattle, as you know, is rather progressive and Growing up, I lived in that wonderful bubble that uh, has people from all backgrounds here that are mixing up on a day-to-day -day basis. And 
you don't think a lot about it. You hear a little bit, but you don't think a lot about it. And you travel to some of these other areas that aren't so diverse, and your eyes are opened. Race becomes an issue. Uh, social issues become an issue. You know, transgenders, gays, they have the places where they're not welcome still. You know, and certainly in the 70s and 80s, that was certainly true. And that opened my mind because I spent every day with these people. These were friends of mine. These were people that I could rely on as a teammate that would contribute to the overall good of the group. So therefore, there was no other, there was no other reason to think of them as anything else than part of the core, part of my worldview. So when you get out to oh, a place, I'm not going to name these towns because I know they've changed. You know, people people change. <clears throat> you go to these towns where maybe you swim in a public pool and they find out that there's black people in our pool. And they ask you to get out of the pool. They drain the pool and they clean it. When you're 16, 17 years old and you see that level of fear or disgust, you're shocked. And you want to get back home. You want to get back inside your bubble, which is your fellow drum corps members. So that was uh, part of the identity that I grew up in, that there is a diverse world out there that uh, contributes to each other in thick, wonderful ways. And that's, uh, that's what I look for when I'm out there. I, you know, I'm happy that I see so many people out there in so many different ways to be human. Um, it's endless and it's terrific. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you, you say that because when I was uh, in the food service business, I took a new job with a chicken company. I'm an actual chicken salesman. You bet you that you haven't met very many of them. No. And uh, and uh, the company was um, based out of Asylum Springs, Arkansas, and they had a plant in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and so I got hired to the plant at Fort Smith, Arkansas. Wow! And I went down there for a couple of weeks to train, and it was there was a guy by the name of Larry. Larry was a good old boy. He was he he was a type of salesman that what we would do would be we would take a uh, go get some bush light. Couldn't be anything else. It had to be bush light, put it in the back seat, and then we would go on sales calls, and then in between the sales calls, he would pull off to the side of the road and pee into the gutter. Oh. And that's, but that's just what they did down there, and that's just how they were. And so one day we were at Fort Smith, and we were going through downtown. And Fort Smith has got the uh, uh, distinction of being the home of the hanging judge. I don't know oh, if you nice. remember that 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 uh, movie that was made about him, but there, but he was the hanging judge, and uh, so he took me down there and we looked at at that and we were we were at a stoplight, and uh, I'm looking around and looking at all the old buildings and stuff, and and I hear out of the the side of my face I hear, that's a goddamn shame. So I'm looking around, this is Larry saying this, and I'm looking around going, what's a God, what's a shame? I don't see anything. And walking across the street in front of us was a white woman and a black man. Didn't even dawn on me at all 
that that would be an issue at all, but it turned out that, that and so that was my introduction to the type of racism that is prevalent in other parts of the country that isn't here. Matter of fact, they call us the left coast. Uh, and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you're right. Um, when we get out and about, because we are in a bubble here. Uh, when we get out and about to other parts of the country, it is it can be completely different. And it can be uh, uh, not very much fun for us and, you know, it's just it's just a different world. It's a different world. It's changing, but it's not changing as fast as I might. As shown by seventy-four million people. Yes, uh, which was which was just. Uh, we have right. you know we have almost half the population voted for Donald Trump for a second term. I can't begin to understand how or why, but they did. I'll never understand it. I'll never understand it. I, I, you know, pick any one of his speeches, pick any one of his times that he got in front of camera and was uh, just being himself. How yeah. can anybody, you know, expect him to be a, a president? No. Well, can you imagine the, the uh, heads of state that he when he went over to Europe and, and other places that that just were like, they, they had to be shocked at, at the type of individual that he was. Or is. It summed it up. What what was that? Uh, the world leaders were there, and he was behind this group of four or five of them, and he pushed his way through the middle to step in front. Yes, that said it all. It really did. <laughs> you know the looks on their faces. Wow. But yeah. anyway, yeah. So in 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 any event, Eric. Um, I would like to do this kind of on a regular basis with you if you're up to it. However, Absolutely. I'm however often we can put it together. I, I enjoy talking about myself. Ask anybody. <laughs> did, you, did you find that story yet, by the way? I did. I did. I've got it ready. Okay. So breaking light on Broadway and John. He sat on the corner of Broadway and John. Legs stretched out and crossed at the ankles. Light gray pants worn and torn at the end of the leg. White tennis shoes, green plaid flannel shirt. Short blonde hair hadn't been washed for days. His left arm swings to above his head, then down again. He is rain-soaked and sits in a puddle. He shakes his head and rocks it up and down. A small Hyundai passes by him, splashes a puddle that sits in front of him. He doesn't respond as he swings his arm again. Streetlights begin to dim from the light of day beginning to break. A middle-aged woman walks by and around him. She drops a bag as she notices. His dead dog held close to his chest with his right arm. Behind the pair of the storefront, lights turn on. An employee turns a sign to open the traffic light changes to green and I head north on Broadway. That was, and that's, a, that's an absolutely true story. You know? Absolutely true story. And that's about the length of time that, you know, I get a chance to read these little mini stories that people are experiencing out there. And I, you know, you asked about a longer story and I've got multiple 
you know, ideas going on in my head, but I really enjoy just these little inlets into people's world, just these little, little zoetropes. I think of it as a zoetrope. Well, and I, I think I think that's 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 really good uh, because I think that you can make um, a short story book of of a collection of short stories of observations from the bus or transient transients or something that, something that, along those lines. That is an upcoming book. In front, in fact, uh, another gentleman, a friend of yours that you had on uh, a few months ago, Wayne. Oh, yes, he's uh, been kind enough to lend his talent and his uh, knowledge on how to, you know, make a book. So I've sent him, you know, different parts of where the book is. And then he, you know, makes some adjustments to make the book better. Tells me, you know, don't, don't take that out, do this, you know, and his suggestions are always right on. And I'm about uh, halfway through this collection of short stories. And I hope to get it done by, yeah. Uh, by summer well if you would be so kind i would love to uh create an audio book for you of those stories oh yeah definitely you're the man man yeah i'd loved what you did with the kids book and that I was mean, you got the voice yeah that was that was that was fun and uh it, it would be fun to do that put it on your website and to be able to sell that uh digitally yeah in fact uh, another friend of mine uh she's Getting done with the illustrations on this, she's a watercolorist, and, and the stories really, in my opinion, um, need to be illustrated with some watercolors. I do pastels and acrylics, and these really need that wetness, that feeling of, uh, well, just a feeling of a watercolor. And she's uh, she's getting done with it, so I hope that's done. In fact, we talked about the target date of uh, the spring, of the winter-spring solstice as the day that it's uh, out there published and ready to be marketed or under marketing at that point. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Now, is that, is that uh, Transient Transients or is that another book? That's the kid's book, the um, oh, yeah. Sunrise on the Mountain of Forests. Oh, I love that story. That, that, oh, was, good. A, that was an awesome story. Thank it you. Really, it really was. And uh, no matter That one's that, made up, by the way. No, you made you made that one up, did you? I made that one up. Oh, very, very, very yeah. <laughs> well, but you know what? And and I and I like the way that you even let me uh, uh, have a little bit of uh, of uh, stay in it a little bit because I, I you took some suggestions that I made, and that worked out really well. Well, they were good suggestions. You know, they helped form the the concept of the story outside of the premise of it you know it's a day in the life of a leaf uh more than a day in the life of more in the year and full lifetime of a leaf and what you brought to it was a a kinder more human human shared story well and everything about that story was the cycle of life mm -hmm. um be it from the grandfather to the kid to the leaf to the tree to everything that surrounded the, the the bark of the tree and and it was just beautifully written i, I just love what you did with it. but we all have seasons of life you know we have a childhood we have a an adulthood and then we have a post-adulthood i like to think of it as about and i'm that's in my how post -adult, the story. adulthood uh, are you yeah. Yeah. 
my, my next step is uh, gonna have to be i'll have the pens uh, and stuff but it's gonna be a while for that step but but i'm now you know i'm a I, you know i'm 63 years old and i'm now getting on the downside of of what used to be always had something great to look forward to now it's like uh i don't have nothing i got nothing. you know what i mean so the only time I, I used to run when I was young, you know, five miles a day, uh, three forward and two backward. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did that every day. Really, I would run backwards. And, and it kept me in shape because I had a, a short uh, experimentation with modern dance. I liked to dance. And I, I kept myself in shape out of dance classes by running. And, you know, since then, you know, studying design, you're very static. You're sitting at a chair and desk all day. So now the only time that I, I run, because I'm so out of shape now, that the only time I run is when I have to go to the bathroom at night. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you have to run pretty quick. Exactly. <laughs> I just throw the cat off the bed and get myself <laughs> to that bathroom real quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's that's sometimes that's just what you got to do. You know, she and, seems to understand. <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's the, that's the pathetic part. Well, the cat looks at you and says, "I get it." <laughs> that's that is that's so fun. By the way, we're talking with Eric Hall. He is an author. He's uh, uh, written he's written a lot of short stories. He's he's allowed me to to uh, voice one of them, and I'm going to do more for him because it's I just get the biggest kick out of the short stories that you do. And thank you. Stuff. So that it, it, that that will be fun to put together some audio books. And uh, by the way, if you have a, if oh, you we actually have a private chat here. Let's we do. See. Oh, you put it in the private chat. There you go. Um, that's that's the WordPress. That's his uh, post. So you go ahead and put that in the public chat. There's a public chat. Yeah, under comments. Click on comments. Okay. And there you go. And that's a that's a public chat. So put it. Oh, cool. Put it put it there as well. So it's it. And uh, um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, a lot of different things. Um, now I, I'm going. I want to try an experiment because I've got somebody on the line that uh, I can you can Eric Eric can you hear her? Eric. No. No. Karen, you may not be able. It may not translate over to the other side. So, uh, oh, okay, good. All right. Well, and uh, she's just having a good time listening. So, so who's this? It's my. It's my sister. Oh, your sister. Hi, your sister. Yeah. <laughs> her, her her name is her name is Karen, and and Hi, she Karen. she is my my older sibling. Oh. Not that old, she says. <laughs> She's, she's older than me, but she's not wearing the pens yet either. Oh, so that's, that's 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 good to know. That's, that's that's really good for my future. Yes, that's a good that's, sign. Yes, yeah, it really is a good sign. So, uh, um, do you have? Uh, you're looking at your computer. Do you have another story you'd like to read? Oh, sure. Um, I've got a bunch. Let's see. We already talked about a dog, so I'll skip the dog story. Well, it could be a live dog this time. Well, it's a dog that starts out alive. Oh, well, how hear. about this? This is interesting. Okay. Because this was 
this was a story that uh, took place both driving and then I took time out of my day after I drove because I was so fascinated by, by what I saw. And this story is called She Sells Flowers. Flowers picked from roadside green spaces, snapdragons, paintbrush, cow parsnip, cut leaf, coral root, cut, arranged and found bottles that have been rinsed but not washed, whiskey, mayonnaise, mustard, mason, whatever bottle found that arranged by height, 20 or so, tallest in the back, short in front, a handful of flowers in each, not too many, less is more, amongst the offering of arrangements, small hand-sized American flags, coasters of the Space Needle. A red, white, and blue ribbon weaves its way through the back row of flowers. The display sits on a tie-dye silk throw. Her mid-length, non-washed, brown, curly hair holds to her head like a helmet. Green and white, pinstripe, button-down shirt, holes in the elbows, missing buttons reveal a black bra. Her dirty jeans Worn in the knees, rolled cuffs, dirty feet, wearing whitish sandals. I think she was once attractive. How much for the arrangement in back? She didn't look me in the eye, she said. The ones in back are $7 and comes with the vase. I like the one in the Jack Daniels bottle. Lovely, she said as she reached for the jar. Handed it to me with her eyes down. Her body odor was strong. It had a back odor of excrement. She had a small wagon that I believed carried her goods, her purse sitting in it. She reached for it after I paid her. She struggled to slip the money in. A needle fell out, the kind they hand out for free at the drug clinics, an orange tip and cap. I had seen her on Broadway for over a week now and curious about her goods spread out. The staging was attractive. The arrangement seems to be done with just the right touch. I was driving by today when I decided to make a visit. I think she was an artist at heart. There are people who you look at and see their work and it fits together. Yes, you can tell they painted that. As I walked away, I admired my new flowers, beautiful in their contrast, of something pretty and something that was used and thrown away as garbage, unwashed, taken to be used for something perhaps better. Walking towards a train station, a bike rode by me. The handlebar hit my elbow, I dropped, then breaking my vase on the cement. I kicked the bottle together, picked up the large shrouds of glass, threw it away in a garbage can. I'll buy from her again. Maybe she will show me her eyes. That was really cool. Because Anne, that's that's what I really like about your writing is it's like you put us there. I could actually picture the uh, the vases and how they were lined up and the poor lady with with you know, the, the matted hair and with, you know, because we've seen that before and stuff. So it was, it really was a, uh, um, a, a very cool uh, story. And, and you do these all the time and they're just from you sitting behind the, uh, the wheel of a bus. Yeah. Usually at stoplights or, you know, as you know, cause you drove a bus, you're driving, you know, 15, 20 miles an hour for most of your day, which will give you time to look at something as, as you're driving by. And this is what I mean by humanity always happens. And it's a pleasure to get these short stories from people 
because she, with an obvious downturn in her life, she still had this elegance and this, oh, air of respect to her. And she was making her own way the best that she could. And the fact that uh, it dawned on me or that I picked up that she had, that she was an artist of some sort because of the way things were laid out, that I believe even with the status of her life at that time, she still had a sense of herself, a sense of pride of what she did. And maybe those bottles weren't cleaned as well as they could have been just because of that contrast to keep the flowers that could have been picked at any green belt, just to keep the simplistic beauty of what we consider weeds beautiful. That's something that, that really is because, and, and I just love the way that you that you talk about it and put it together. Because when I was driving a bus, I was more, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I, a lot of other bus drivers. You know, one of the things that bus drivers do is they wave at each other uh, when yes. they're passing each other. It's like, yeah. all right, it's like it's like motorcycles do the same thing. They wave and and stuff. <laughs> I got yelled at by more people that said, "I wave at you, and you never wave back." Oh, Kevin. Yeah, that's, that's because I drive in fear. I'm looking at the road. I'm trying to make sure that everybody on my bus is happy and not and taking and being behaving themselves. I don't look right. I don't look left. I look at the road and and until I'm stopped someplace and then then I might uh, venture off. But it never dawns on me when you matter you know when you see the transient that that is there that uh, um, like like in the in the first story that you were talking about the transient that. He was holding, you know, you, what I loved about that story, and uh, and I may have to, since I have somebody who hasn't heard it, do you still have that up? Because that's a short one. Oh, the guy, right? Yeah. 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 But, and let me preface it by saying that when we start listening to that story, we develop an opinion. We develop a perception of what's going on with that individual. And we then say, well, this is a guy that must be must be drunk or stoned or something because he's sitting where he's sitting and, and he's making all these gestures and stuff. But so we form an opinion, we form a perception of what's happening with that individual, and then the story unfolds and we are proven completely wrong. Could you read that again? You know, that is exactly what my experience was too. I, you know, there are so many street people up there. It becomes normal for you, except their unusual movements as something that, you know, is what it is. And then you discover something else. So breaking light, you asked me to read it again, please. Breaking light on Broadway and John. He sat on the corner of Broadway and John legs stretched out and crossed at the ankles. Light gray pants worn and torn at the end of the leg. White tennis shoes, green plaid flannel shirt. Short blonde hair that hadn't been washed for days. His left arm swings to above his head and then down again. He is rain-soaked and sits in a puddle. Shakes his head and rocks it up and down. A small Hyundai passes by him, splashes the puddle that sits in front of him. He doesn't respond as he swings his arm again. Streetlights begin to dim from the light of day beginning to break. A middle-aged woman looks by and around him. She drops a bag as she notices. 
his dead dog held close to his chest with his right arm. Behind the pair, the store, front, light turns on. An employee turns a sign to open. The traffic light changes to green, and I head north on Broadway. And even though this guy was in a moment of obvious horrible pain because he had just lost his dog, um, yeah. everybody just moves on and life continues. And it, it, it amazes me. It, it amazes me that uh, one time I was coming down. Oh, I, I think it was Pike, and there was a guy who was laid out in the middle of the sidewalk, and arms splayed out and legs flat, and he, and he was unconscious. And obviously, and people just walked right on by him. They would move out of the way. And a lot of people didn't even look at him. They assumed he was just dead drunk. He might be. He might have been dead. They didn't know because they didn't wait to find out. And uh, it's you know that what I don't like about our culture these days is that we don't. Nobody wants to get involved. And uh, they they want they want to stay away from from getting involved and getting into trouble, and or having something going on. You know, I, I have to think about this in terms of every big city in just about every part of the world has issues like this, even as proper and polite as Japan is, and respect for the elders is utmost there. They still have homeless that are ignored in, in Japan. And I think it's because we've gotten so big, and there are so many holes. We still have pockets in our society where people can fall away from. When cultures were smaller, more local, and even to tribes, uh, people contributed to everyone, even the ones that uh, were crazy or not, uh, not moving along with the tribe in a sense that they could communicate well. They were still looked after. In whatever manner, they ate, they were covered, they were taken care of. And for whatever reason, I certainly don't have the grasp on why we let that go and we shun people. I was homeless as well. And that might be part of my affinity for these people. Maybe. I don't know. But somewhere along the line, the our cities got so big that we begin to ignore each other. And maybe it's, you know, because of this device. Part of the reason is this device that we're using, this computer that uh, both has the ability to provide to us all of the information that we could ever want and also let us experience in a way that we would never have to leave our house. Well, what I want to do with this medium and with this uh, platform that, that I'm developing is is to do exactly what we're doing today, which is to talk about humanity and how we can we can we can do a better job of helping each other and understanding each other. And uh, and that's why I dig it, your shows, man. Well, I appreciate it, man, because it's I I I, I do it because it's uh, it's a it's kind of a labor of love, and I just but I enjoy talking to people like you, and I would love for you to. Because uh, Wednesdays works for you until your next uh, uh, pick, right? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I'm still going to try to pick uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays as my days off. I, I like these days off. Cool. 
So can we can we kind of uh, uh, do a uh, Wednesday at noon show? Oh, absolutely! I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've got it. I've got a number of shows planned, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, you don't have to let me in on it. I, I you know. Well, I sent you that one about the Skylink. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, what we need to do is to uh, create a little uh, preference to that. And then that'll feed right into your interview, and then I'll put that up on YouTube, and on, and uh, we'll we that'll be you. You can be you can be kind of the correspondent on the street of uh, of uh, my independence report. So that would be keeping the journalism real. That's that's my my job. Exactly. Well, you know, and and given your background, and and now you you are a uh, um, Native American. Um, yes, sir. Did you grow up? on this reservation or did you no. no in fact i only discovered that i'm native american when i was in my late 40s early 50s really yeah now i had suspected this because when i tan in the summer i get awfully dark yeah. i get real dark yeah i get darker than some african americans if i'm out in the sun ask anybody so but I, I suspect most mostly people thought I was Greek back in those days. Oh, he's Greek. But uh, my mom was, oh, she was uh, 50%. She was uh, a native woman. And she was one, keep a long story short, she was a woman that was adopted by a white family, a good Christian family, wonderful people in Ballard. And she was not told of her native heritage but because she looked so different from all of the people around her, when she had access to city records at, uh, during World War II, she was a very intelligent woman who figured out a way to look up her information and discovered what she suspected, that she was not of the blood of the people around her. And she learned of her story through those records and then uh, pieced some things together kept it to herself because she had a difficult time with uh, some of the things that she was growing up with. And she was a very strong willed person. So she didn't share a lot of things that she went through until later in life when uh, my sister and I were adults and she was nearing the end of her life about six months out. And she said, I got something to tell you guys, I'd like you to come over at this time and we're going to have a chat was suspicious because mom was never that that kind of uh communicator right so she told us the story and my sister was interested in genealogy and she made contact with uh these people and opened up the door to where you know now uh, native american is part of my heritage and i've grown to accept it my my sister is i'm not as involved with the tribe as i was my sister is very involved um, I've pretty much walked away just uh, uh, because my interests now are, are more in what I'm doing here. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the story of my Native American background. And so your full Native American name is? Eric Hall. I was messing with you earlier yeah. with giving oh. you a lot of letters for my middle name. See how gullible I am? I'll just believe anything. Well, I had fun. <laughs> oh wow, that's 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 good. By the Sorry. by the way, Eric Hall is uh, 
are going Robert. to be our. Yeah, he's, he's going to be our. Oh, it's Robert is the middle name. Robert, yeah, Robert. After my dad, yeah. That's that's that's. But you see, you have got a. When I listen to you talk, and stuff, you have got a Native American cadence to the way that you talk. I don't. But, you know, if I take that because I have an affinity for trees. And I have affinity for the earth. And none of this made sense to me growing up, even though I knew that I had it. And I know that others didn't have it in the same senses that I did. And I sort of just put it back where it was. And when I was learning what a Native American is, these things made sense to me. And it made me wonder if uh, perceptions in the way we view things, is not only in our environment, but also in our DNA. Mm -hmm. And if you talk to a Native American that came from Seattle, they view, like the Duwamish tribe, will view that their ancestors become part of the earth and then grow up into the trees again. Mm. Our ancestors are in the trees. And as you know, the city was built on top of many of the Duwamish ancestors, and our buildings have many of those trees, those buildings that were built that... Uh, you know, just before and after the fire, have the timbers that hold the Duwamish people in them. Oh, wow. So therefore, this is, Seattle is of the Duwamish tribe, and both physically and in its uh, philosophical nature. That, that, that makes a whole lot of sense as to why. I always figured it that, that we were as progressive as we were because we were the last to be settled. Um, you, but, but it makes perfect sense that, that it could have a uh, Native American bent to it. I have an upcoming story that, uh, I would tell you about, uh, there is an Indian named Lake John, who was a Duwamish Indian at the time of the pioneers. And he befriended, um, Denny. Oh, as in Denny the street. Yes. And Denny was uh, progressive in his thoughts, so much so that unusually for a white man, a politician, he reached out and, and learned the Lachutzi language and became great friends with Lake John. And even to a point when Native Americans were not allowed in the streets of Seattle, in the Seattle area, they weren't allowed to be here. This was their land. They weren't allowed to, to be in the city. Right. They found a way, Denny found a way to make sure Lake John had a house just on Lake Union. This was before the Ballard Locks were built. Okay. And Lake John made a living on taking white people around and showing them the ways of the water, some of the local hunting grounds and fishing areas. And he was mistreated by those people. But due to the nature of who he was, a very kind and wise man that was able to be diplomatic with both the natives in the area and the white people in the area, prevented a lot of damage being done to both sides. And he's a story that I'd like to talk about in, in a couple of weeks, and I'm, I'm putting information together, and I consider him a catalyst in things that are transient. And because he was a catalyst personality living in an area that was catalyst to the Seattle area, the story's right. got multiple layers because, again, this was before the locks were built. So Lake uh, Washington, Lake Union, and then Salmon Bay 
and Puget Sound were separate entities of water connected just by creeks. And the Europeans, being ever so um, capitalist, realized the benefit of having those bodies of water connected so you could easily pull lumber from the area called Kirkland now and take it out to the Puget Sound and send it to where it needed to go. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's why they built the locks originally. Yeah, it, yeah. It for commerce. Yes. You know, so that's a, that's a, that's really good. I, I look for, the the audience looks forward to hearing that story <laughs> in its entirety when you can. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> so, by the way, we've been talking with Eric R. Hall, which is his real name and his full name, his name. Discover, and uh, transient or transit transients and other stories dot com. Go there and uh, drop him a line. Say hello. And uh, this will be on YouTube and Facebook and 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 uh, my independence report the podcast, um, so you can look at it in its entirety. Anything you'd like to add before we uh, quit for today, sir? You know, it's been an absolute pleasure. That's the only thing I can add. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying this. I love that it's happening on a day like today, where there's smiles everywhere around the world. Beautiful what day. a great way to start a new project. Indeed, it's it's a beautiful day. It's a wonderful day, and uh, we can look forward to lots of turmoil, lots of stress. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to be a good good stress. I agree. I, sure I agree. Hope so. I sure again, hope so. Again, we've been talking with Eric Hall. My name is Kevin McDonald. I hope you enjoy yourself. You have a great day. Be kind to one another. <laughs>